Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast and in a Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugard. Kevin, a lot has been made about Mike Yurcich's termination over the course of the last few days. It, and, and there's more clarity now uh, for what James Franklin has mentioned, um, both at practice and in his media availability on Monday night, or Monday afternoon, I guess I should say. But at the end of the day, it's it's up to James Franklin. It's his show, and now they've got to reap the reap the decisions. And if it's good, bad, or indifferent, it can't get much worse uh, than what it was previously. Drew Aller had only thrown for over 300 yards, I believe, uh, in the West Virginia game. Uh, hasn't came, hasn't really come close to to that. Now, granted, there were some games that he did not play into the fourth quarter, but at the same time. You know, you've got to get some sort of identity established and 10 games into the season and you have no identity. That's not that's not good for an offense. Yeah, no identity. And from what it sounds like from the Monday press conference is a lot of insubordination on the part of Mike Yersich. James Franklin, when uh, I think it was Rich, Rich Scar, Scarcella mm-hmm. of the Reading Eagle. Ask James, you know, you mentioned in your Saturday press conference that, like, you wanted some short, quick throws to get Drew going, and why didn't that happen? And Franklin goes, we asked. I asked. And it sounds like just answering, answering to or asking nobody. And the doorbell went unanswered, and Yersich just kind of called what he called. And from what it sounds like all year, it's been there's been game plans that have been come up with and they've kind of just gone rogue. Yersich has just kind of gone rogue or I, I, it doesn't sound like the cohesion was there um, between Yersich and Franklin. Franklin sought Yersich out. I mean, it's why he fired um, Soraka after one year is because he wanted Yersich. He gets Soraka because Yersich gets the Texas job. And then all of a sudden, boom, Yersich is back available. And Franklin fires Soraka after a kind of meh season. So, and the messaging with Franklin since then has been collaboration. He said collaboration twice on Monday. I think he said another two or three times in the post-practice press conference. Collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. So that tells me Yersich wasn't listening to him, and Franklin was not happy about it. And now he has a guy, Cider. It's probably Cider, then Howell, just like slightly below him. Cider's been with him since 2018. And it sounds like the image that the offense that Franklin wants to run, they're starting to achieve. Right. And that's the thing, too. You know, the new buzzword is collaboration. Um, and if they weren't collaborating on a game plan, and this should this move should have been made a lot sooner. Um you know, this move was made in large part because of Manny Diaz. And I don't mean that because Manny Diaz makes decisions like this. I mean that because James Franklin wanted progress. Manny Diaz made progress. When you look at last year to this year, Michigan and Ohio State, there was progress defensively. Yeah, the game did not result in a win, but it did result in in, in that gap growing, growing closer. And the defense played well enough both games to win the game. Offensively, I think if anything, they regressed, and that's an issue. You know, James is is notorious for not pl- for playing not to lose in big games, um, but at the same time, you know, if, if you're if you're if there's no collaboration and there was no mesh offensively from a staff perspective, 
you know, that's that's a big issue. That that can't happen. Everybody's got to be pulling the same rope. And if everybody's pulling a different rope, then what's the point? You know, and and your Sitch's track record, yeah, he came from Shippensburg. Hell yeah, PSAC. Um, okay, okay, State. Mike Gundy has done just fine without him. Um, goes to Ohio State and is the quarterback's coach. Okay. That's that might be, a, you know, he wore out his welcome, I think, you know, at, at OK State. Um, then ends up at Texas for a year. Don't really get to see much of him there. And then he ends up at Penn State. So, I mean, it's not like he was highly – he was highly touted, but it wasn't like he was highly exposed, I guess, is, 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 a, is a good way to put it. But for Yursich now, I mean, best of luck to him. But for Penn State, they've got to go back to their roots. They've got to have a balanced attack. But they've also got to – like, opponents need to fear Drew Aller. Apparent opponents need to fear his arm. And and right now, the way that the offense is set up, they're not fearful of the passing game. And and even the running game now is, is falling in large part to that. You know, you can talk about the balance attack and Nicholas Singleton and, and Katron Allen. And there have been some rumblings here and there that one of them or both of them might not be very happy right now. And, you know, I hope that's not the case. But I, I don't know if that's frustration with the way the offense is playing or, or what. You know, this is supposed to be one of the best lines the Penn State has had under James Franklin. And we haven't really seen them do much of anything. And I think a lot of that is because of the way the, the offense has been called. And, you know, you got to ride the you can ride the hot hand. You can do this. You can do that. But if if it's just not working, it's just not working. And I think kudos to James Franklin for being aggressive. I think that is exactly what's needed. And and really, they haven't. It's not like they've lost recruits because of this. You know, this it, and Drew Aller, I think, was more mentioned you know, Davey O'Brien than he, than he did, or Danny O'Brien, I should say, um, than, than Drew Aller. So, or then I'm sorry, Mike Yersich, but that's, that's one of those things that, you know, you just, you don't know what you got until it's gone, so to speak. And, and people have talked about who to get for offensive coordinator. Joe Brady ends up as the interim offensive coordinator up in Buffalo, uh, because they fired Ken Dorsey for some reason. First of all, shout out Ken Dorsey. I love Ken Dorsey. I He was one of my favorite players growing up for the U. I don't know if you're old enough to remember the U when they were good in the early 2000s, Kevin, because you're still a young pup, aren't you? Uh, I was not 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 familiar with it. Oh, I, come I, on. I do not recall their uh, their prowess. But the guy, the guy that I loved was was Ken Dorsey. Like He was, he was that guy for them. And I, I don't know why they did that. Uh, in Buffalo, but that's Sean McDermott's fault. So that takes Joe Brady out until at least, I think, January or February. Uh, so that's an issue. I've heard Joe Moorhead's in play. I don't know if that's a great reunion. Um, Brennan Marion is my dark horse guy from UNLV. And I think, <laughs> I think, you know, selfishly, I think that'd be hilarious because he was at Pitt and did really good things uh, with, with uh, Jordan Addison uh, when he was there. But he's out at UNLV and he's doing a great job out there uh, with our offense. But James Franklin says he's prepared for this, whether it's, you know, maybe it is. Maybe he does promote from within this time. Promoting from within worked out for Ricky Ronnie. You know, I would go back to that offense any day compared to what we're going through. Um, as far as as far as that, same thing with Brent Pry. He promoted Brent Pry from within, and that worked out pretty damn well. Um, but, of course, you know, you going back to Manny Diaz, you knocked the ball out of the park with Manny, both in, this, in the hiring of him. And then just the overall performance. The Penn State defense is elite, um, and so now you you don't get that complimentary football, and that's that's an issue. And James Franklin mentioned this um, after practice on Wednesday. 
he wants a head coach of the offense, head coach of the defense, head coach of special teams. That's how he has always been. That's how he's always done it. And he's he oversees it all. And, but offensively, maybe he does have to finally step up and and do a little bit more uh, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, and I have a column that might be coming out soon. Um, I think whoever Franklin hires next is his last offensive coordinator at Penn State. I I think it's come down to the his next one will be his seventh or his sixth. And this is put up or shut up. And I think I don't think this needs to be a national offensive coordinator search. I I think you've gone outside the last two times. It's not worked out. Soraka, because your stitch became available, who was the chosen one. And you already have a guy in house that you know. You mentioned Joe Moorhead and Ricky Ronnie. Well, Jaywan Sider's first year on the staff is 2018. What's 2018? That's the first year of Ricky Ronnie. And where did Ricky Ronnie learn his offense? Joe Moorhead. Mm-hmm. So why bring back Joe Moorhead? Joe Brady, he was there in 2018 as well. I believe he was 2018, or if not, he was 2016. And there's some overlap there because, you know, there's pictures of Joe Brady and Trace McSorley in the locker room together because Joe Brady was on that staff under Moorhead and Ronnie. Yeah, he was the GA. So you have this cohesion of where you had success. So I, I think. Cider and Howell have two weeks to prove themselves. And Cider already has the AHC title. He's already assistant head coach. You want your head coach your offense. You already have a guy on staff who you've promoted offense coordinator who is the associate head coach. So I like Cider. I think it's a great opportunity for him. I think it's a great opportunity for the program. You go back to an offense that has had success and you have to take care of Drew Aller. Nick Singleton and Katron Allen are frustrated. You mentioned it. Why? Because the defenses don't alert. They're not threatened by them. Why? Because Yersich just runs them. Katron Allen and Nick Singleton in the back of the offensive line, they can't get success. So he doesn't trust Drew Aller. He didn't trust Drew Aller to throw. He has only had that one 300-yard passing game. Penn State's offense against a real opponent has only had greater than, I think, 408 yards one time, which was West Virginia. They had 450 or 470 480 or something like that. They hit 400 twice against, I believe, Maryland um, and somebody else. And then the other one was Delaware. So they've hit 400 four times. But West Virginia and Delaware are at the higher end of that spectrum because they didn't have these tendencies. Yursich is prone to these tendencies, running 60% on first down. He ran 12 times in a row uh, against Michigan to start. And what happened? Michigan sucked down into the box and you can't run against that front. And then Michigan, because they were selling out to stop the run, were bringing pressure because how do you beat Katron Allen and Nick Singleton? You beat them to the point of attack so they can't make you miss, so they can't get fast. They can't get their speed up. None of that stuff can happen if Drew Aller's not successful. If Drew Aller's not throwing for 300 yards and stretching the defense, using the middle of the field, crossing patterns, they're confusing linebackers, confusing safeties. If you start getting linebackers dropping into pass coverage, seven, eight yards off the line of scrimmage, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen have four or five yards to get going. They can get two yards downfield before hitting contact. They're getting hit in the backfield every play. There's very few times where they've gotten loose and they've been like one shoestring tackle away from hitting the big one. That's not That was not happening under Yersich. Sider knows that. Sider, hopefully, he's been working with them. He understands their frustrations, and he's going to understand how to get the best out of Drew Aller because you have Danny O'Brien who's plugged into 
Aller. He's plugged into Coach Franklin because he played under him. And it sounds like Aller had a better relationship with Danny OB than he did with Yursich, and Yursich is the one who recruited him. So I think you stick with Cider. I don't think this needs to be a national coaching search. We can probably talk about it in the offseason if they end up opening up a national coaching search, but I really like where this is going with Cider. What it's going to look like, I have no idea. But I think what it'll look like is what we saw from 2016 to 2019, which was a successful offense. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing they have to do. They have to get back to what made them good, right? They got to get player playmakers out in space. We talked about this on the podcast earlier this week. Everything was run to the short side, and, and there's just no room to go there. Everything just funnels right into one spot, and that's not how you break contain. That's not how you how you do that. You've when when Drew Aller is successful, you need to get that safety back and open up that run game rather than them stack the box, you know, six, seven, eight guys, and that's the issue. More so than than anything, and and the, the it's funny that you mentioned Jay Wan Sider is is the guy, and it, I, I think he would be a very good candidate, but he's been a lot more vocal this year in his talking about becoming a little bit higher of something than just a running backs coach. Um, so I think that is I, there's there's a message there, you know, in that as well, um, and I think he can do it. I think it's well deserved. Um, he's definitely done paid his dues. Um, but it'll be interesting to see really how that how the rest of this develops over the course of he's over the course of the offseason. Um, if it even gets that far, he's a guy that's well liked, well respected, and as far as recruiting goes, um, he's been at Penn State since 2018, like you mentioned. Um, you know, listen, Joe Moorhead is a head coach right now. He's at Akron. Um, he has not been fired there yet. Taking, I understand that it's a MAC job, um, and it's tough to win in the MAC. It's tough to win at Akron. Uh, the only player that's really had success at Akron is LeBron James, um, and that was when he was in high school with Keith Dambrot, uh, the, the head coach at Duquesne. But you know that's the thing. You know you grass isn't always greener, right? Uh, you know you see that in Florida, or I'm sorry, not you see that in Florida. You see that in Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. Um, you know with him getting fired and now getting paid seventy six million dollars to sit at home and whatever Jimbo does. Um, but this this move, I think, has been is well needed, especially going into to Rutgers game. Um, you you still have two two games, three games really, uh, with the bowl game to to see how it plays out. And I think that's the that's the cool thing that that the Jawan and um, the Ty Howe have is they get that opportunity to see how this plays out. And that's not usually what happens. Um, both times, or both usually when he makes that move, it's before the bowl game. Um, and, and they have a new guy for the bowl game and that's exactly, you know, the opposite. Now they have a couple, they have two regular season games that should be winnable. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that goes. Um, but best of luck to, to J1 cider and, and Ty Howell. I think they're the, Ty Howell's as a Penn state guy. He's not going anywhere. I think that's good too. Um, but J1 also is developed into a Penn state guy as well. So this might be the, the bone that they need, but it, it might, be a really good op- situation for everybody involved. Yeah, you mentioned Joe Moorhead's not been fired yet. He's two and nine at Akron this year, uh, with one conference win after uh, going, I believe, what two and ten last year. So probably not. He's not had a lot of success as a head coach. Is that reunion possible? Maybe, but Jay Wan feels like a promote or lose kind of guy. It, it, he's he's ready to be an offensive coordinator. He's done wonders for the recruiting trail on Penn, for Penn State. I mean, just look at the running backs that he's brought in. And if you don't promote him to to head to uh, offensive coordinator, 
he's he's at another program somewhere else. Like you know, whoever gets hired at Texas A and M might bring him in as off as offensive coordinator. So, or whoever gets hired at Michigan State brings him in as off. Like if you don't promote Cider to offensive coordinator, I think he's gone. So if you, it's going to be James, do you want to keep him or not? I I feel like it's where it is, and it's not to give him a vendetta or nothing, but. It, it's a really weird dynamic. I, I I do agree. Um, now with that said, whoever brings him in, I know we're running a little bit long here in this, in this segment, but uh, the, for J one, I, we don't really know what his offensive identity is. They've had so much in so much change and turnover in that department. Um, he is the lone guy that's been there since pre 2020, you know, obviously Troutwine is the next in line. But you have Marcus Hagan's there now. Ty Howell has now been there a couple of years, but but yeah, he's been the steady him. He and Troutwine have been the steady Eddies um, for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, and we'll first we get the first chance to see it against Rutgers Saturday at noon. But we'll talk a little bit more about Rutgers and what to expect against Greg Schiano. We come back from this break on the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Esports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, Senior Day is a weird occasion now. And, and I don't mean that because it's weird because it's happening. It's weird because we don't really know who it's going to involve. Uh, every Most players that are at this age have or, or are eligible to, to graduate have a COVID year. They don't necessarily know if they're going to take it or not. Perfect example is Caden Wallace. He would have a, an extra COVID year. If he would want to take it, um, I don't know how good that would do him. Um, but but again, that's something that we deal with now for senior day. So we're we're not really sure who's who we could see for the final time playing at Beaver Stadium on Saturday. But it is in fact senior day, albeit a little bit weirder of a version now, thanks to some of these COVID rules. Yeah, I, I think the only guarantee there is Keaton Ellis. He's it's his fifth year. He's done. Local kid, Franklin, was talking about him going to preschool on Penn State's campus. His dad worked at the university. Uh, it's going to be sad to see him go. And just a great leader on the defense. His role has kind of diminished this year with the uh, emergence of K.J. Winston. And I, I mean, he's not really outward facing. He's not a really big, loud and vocal guy. But it seems like he's just handled it with grace and class. And he's like, you know what? K.J. Winston is balling out. And. Um, my role is going to diminish and, you know, best of luck to him in his future. It's I'm pretty sure I think he's getting his master's degree and graduated preschool from Penn state. So this will be his uh, third time graduating from the campus. So uh, congratulations to him. A great year, great career. It's, I mean, he was the embodiment of just a central PA kid, just fulfilling his dream, going to Penn state. And uh, another guy who's going to be his last home game is uh, Olu Fashionu. And, you know, he's probably going to be a top five NFL draft pick. So, he was one of the ones who could have gone last year as a top 10 pick and was like, you know what, let's go try to win a natty. And unfortunately, uh, as things we mentioned in the first segment, it didn't happen. So, Yeah, and that's a really good point, Kevin. You know, you mentioned Keith Dallas. I was fortunate enough to coach against him when he was in high school. Um, so definitely glad he graduated. But but he was fun to watch. Um, he was an electric player for State High. Um, and, it, and it takes a lot for me to compliment somebody from State High. That's obviously Altoona's biggest rival. But the biggest thing for him is, you know, he's came he came in and is and played significant minutes. Um, he got some significant reps um, 
for most of his career. And I think that's very impressive for him. Um, I don't quite know what the rest of his career looks like. Um, but again, you know, kudos to him and, and kudos to some of those other guys that you're going to be seeing for the final time, though it hasn't necessarily been, been finalized. I think we'll find that out really on Sunday or I'm sorry, on Saturday um, when they line up and, and do the senior day ceremonies. But, but again, it's Rutgers, it's Greg Schiano. Um, Greg Schiano typically plays tough football. Uh, he has some Penn state ties. I believe he was a GA here uh, at Penn state um, early in his career, but Schiano is, made Rutgers relevant again, you know, now for the second time and kudos to him for that. You know, they got, shut, got shut out by Iowa last week, but Iowa's good. You know, we, 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 we give Iowa a bunch of shit. Um, and now don't get me wrong. The big 10 West is hot garbage um, outside of Iowa, but man, we give Iowa so much crap for their, for their lack of offense but they're still an eight and two team. <laughs> like that is, that's what's crazy to me. And they're going to play in a really good bowl game. They're going to go to the big 10 championship game, but we give crap to Iowa all the time. And yet here, here they are. Um, but for, for Rutgers, you know, come in and they get a chance to play spoiler. I don't necessarily think this is going to be a, a, a good game. That The spread is in the twenties. So the, for Penn state though, there's so much at stake. And, and, and I don't even mean a, a win. This is just building confidence in your offense, getting through the, the firing of, an, of a coordinator midseason, which ha- I don't know that that's ever happened at Penn State, dating back to, to Paterno. Um, actually, Paterno was the, fir- the last person that was fired midseason. Um, now, obviously, far different circumstances. But, you know, and prior to that, I don't know that it happened, if at all. So, I mean, for Penn State, there's still a lot at stake. Yeah, and it's it's quieting the haters too, right? The Fire Franklin cloud, crowd is out in full force. Half of my friends are – pretty much all of my friends are totally out on Franklin. It's They they think Yersich was scapegoated and it's just Franklin needs to be gone. Like Jimbo Fisher can get canned with a $75 million buyout. Why can't James Franklin? And it's like, well – uh, Penn State doesn't have the oil money that Texas A&M has, and nor are the they. Boosters as... paid the first nineteen million of that. Yeah, well, the boosters raised one hundred and sixty million dollars to Texas A&M to get him out and to find the next one. So that kind of rules out James Franklin as going to Texas A&M. Sorry, everybody who wants to see him gone because uh, they paid seventy-five million there. Then they have to pay another seventy-five million to get Franklin out of his contract mm-hmm. and then pay him ten million for the first year. So you know that ain't happening. So sorry, everyone who wants to see him gone. I, I it's. You hire Cider or you promote Cider, you promote how how does the offense look? If the offense comes out and looks like a stud, granted it is Rutgers. Like I told Joe and told you on Sunday, like you will be able to tell if this offense is different. If this mm-hmm. offense looks like it did against West Virginia, if they put up Delaware type numbers against this Rutgers defense, that's that's saying something. It, it, it will feel different, it'll look different, and maybe you quiet the crowd because James Franklin's had a hell of a week. It has been a noisy week on social media. And Rutgers, they have four losses this year. It's Ohio State, Michigan. They lost to Wisconsin and the aforementioned Iowa. So it's time to hand Rutgers that fifth loss. Greg Schiano somehow got them bowl eligible. but And that's the thing. You know, we, we mentioned – I know I mentioned the first segment about the grass isn't always greener. Um, at the end of the day, Penn State is still 8-2. and two. They are t- number 12 in 
the college football playoff. That's a that's a New Year's Six game. They're looking at going probably to the Peach Bowl, which I am all for. I would love to go to to Atlanta. Um, I have an interview coming out with the CEO and president of the Peach Bowl um, sometime later this week when I finally get a chance to write it. But the biggest thing is it, it, I, there's so much discourse about James Franklin, um, good, bad, and different. But the biggest thing is, for me is, is he getting the job done? And he, he, there are only two teams, and that's, what I think, the issue. He's, only, he's not getting the job done against two teams, and that's what sucks. That's what ultimately you're measured by. It's the wins and losses against, against Michigan and Ohio State. And, and I'm going to tell you what, um, Penn State legend LeVar Arrington had said it best. He's like, Joe didn't win against them either. So, you know, you they're competing with these elite teams year after year after year. They're in the what would be the college football playoff if it was, if it was expanded year after year after year. But for whatever reason, we are viewing James Franklin as – and, and this is kind of the product of the college football playoff. It's playoff or bust. Uh, and, and that's tough. That's that's really tough at Penn State and tough at, at everywhere, right? You know, you especially when the two other teams that you're losing are not only just in your conference, but they're also in your division. And that that is tough too. But the thing about it is they're going to win. They should win 10 games this year, if not 11 games with the bowl game. Because uh, they'll get an at-large team if they play in the Peach Bowl. So they'll probably get maybe a group of five team um, or or in Alabama if they don't they make could the get Alabama. Right. I mean, but that's the other thing too. It's like you you take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, like the the losses to Ohio State, and Michigan stink, and they suck, and it's awful. But at the end of the day, ten and two is still not bad. There are twelve. There are only eleven other teams that wish they had it better right now than Penn State, and those are the teams in front of them. Everybody else would love to be in Penn State situation. They'd love to be at those in those moments. But at the end of the day, you know. Does Franklin deserve to be fired? No, I don't think he does. Um, did Jursic? Yeah, I've watched that offense. I've watched a lot of high school football too, and there are some high school football game plans that were a hell of a lot better than whatever Jursic drew up or failed to stick to. But for James Franklin, everything that he's doing, I think, is good. It, it just so happens that they're just not winning against the teams that they want to win against. That the, the Michigan, the Ohio State, they're taking care of business against every other team, and that's and unfortunately. When you have two teams that are playing the best football in their program's history, right? I mean, we can't forget about that. That's, you know, that seems to be the issue. But, you know, for Franklin, it, there's so much. And I get it from my friend group, too. You know, it's why Franklin should be fired. Listen, who who can you go out and get that's that's going to do a better job? Who, who can go out and beat Ohio State and Michigan with regularity? Because Ohio State's not beating Michigan with regularity. You know, it, it, so in that Michigan's not winning bowl games, right? Yeah, they don't have a month to scout. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about our best friend Connor Stallions when we when we uh, in the third segment. But yeah, I mean that's it's uh, it, that's what's tough. You know, it, it takes away f- from talking about Rutgers. And, you know, James Franklin said his little quip. I'd really like to talk about Rutgers, but let's be real. This is this is the dominant story. But for for Franklin, I I don't think his hot his seat is hot. I, I really don't. I, I think it's lukewarm at best, and that's probably just because it's cold out. Um, it's just an automatic car starter, car heater. Um, but the thing is, you know, you, you do have to beat those teams. You know, before Stallions, he was beating Michigan State every so often. Or, I'm sorry, Michigan. Well, definitely Michigan State, but definitely Michigan as well. So it, it's so it, it's tough, right? I, I get the outrage, 
Um, but man, the, the offense was embarrassing under Yersich, and that's not that shouldn't happen at Penn State. That's inexcusable. But I think you also have to look at yourself in the mirror if you're Penn State and figure out what kind of program you are. Are you that four to eight every year? Are you for that four to twelve, or are you that top four? And right now they're just not doing enough to to be in the top four. But at the same time, I don't think that warrants the firing of James Franklin. No, and if you're listening to this and you're kind of writing us off as Franklin apologist, believe me, the group chat, the text messages that fly back and forth between Jared and I, or the group chat between the three of us with Joe, uh, they light up when Penn State's losing Ohio State. They light up when Penn State's losing Michigan. We hate recording this shit. Like we hate when they lose because it is not fun to be angry. It's, I mean, it gets me up. It keeps me going at night. Like I can't sleep. I had the urge to write 2000 word columns that end up getting trimmed down. Like it is not fun, but we're not also, we're also not recording losses, lost podcasts against Maryland, against Northwestern, against Indiana, Iowa. We're not recording those losses. Why? Because they're not happening. It's if you look at every other program, they're dropping these games against, I mean, they're good this year, but they're dropping games against Missouri and Kentucky and, when Tennessee's irrelevant, all these SEC programs are doing that. And Alabama's getting upset by Texas A&M at home, who's an underdog with Johnny Manziel. You know what I mean? Like, yes, Franklin's losing to Ohio State, Michigan, but they're, they're six, seven, eight-point underdogs in those games. Do I wish that spread was two and a half? Do I wish Penn State got favored in some of those games? They were good enough to be favored in some of those games? Of course I do. It's just... This year, they didn't have a competent offense. If you even have 10 more or five more first downs against Ohio State, you win. If you don't have a 20-yard penalty that's bogus against Michigan, you're in the game and you didn't chase points early. It's a field goal game. And Penn State can score a touchdown. They've not shown it this year. They can score a 75-yard touchdown like they did against West Virginia. Like Penn State is so close. It's just the razor-thin margins of, the college football playoff, the four-team playoff. It's you're playing against teams who have been in it the last two teams who have been in it the last two years. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is nobody else has that on their schedule. Alabama doesn't play Georgia every year because they're in the other they're in the other side of the conference. The Pac-12. Look at what happened. The Pac-12 is purely imploded. We're 30 minutes into a pregame Rutgers podcast. We're not even to the third segment because we're talking about still a loss against Michigan. Like we don't enjoy this at all. Like this is terrible. This is where we are. And what does it look like without James Franklin? It probably looks like early James Franklin when he is losing to Maryland or Rutgers or Northwestern or Michigan state after a thunderstorm delay when Michigan state does no business when in the football game, you know what I mean? It's, it's 41 point blowouts on the road in Ann Arbor. Like, this thing could get ugly because when James Franklin leaves, so does the rest of his coaching staff. And when the rest of his coaching staff leave, so does all those high-profile recruits. The grass may look green, but it's going to look like Zoysia in the winter, man. That's just going to be brown for a few years. And that's the thing with Pat Kraft. You know, he's not afraid to make those decisions. He's not afraid to spend money. He's got rid of his you – know, Rob Cooper stepped down. Um, you know, Shrewsbury went to, to Notre Dame. Um and we'll talk about this in the third segment because I was at Penn State's game against St. Francis um, on Wednesday night. Um, but but they hired Mike Rhodes, and he's not afraid to go out and get his guy. You know, he went out and got a guy on the alum at Boston College to coach the um, the baseball team. Uh, and that's and, that, and playing baseball in the North is not an easy thing to do. But 
but the thing is, you got to win those games, and you got to, and that, that matters. And I, I apologize for my dogs going off in the background. They're obviously not happy that I keep talking about Michigan either. Um, but we're going to talk a lot more about some some other things around the Big Ten and around James Franklin here in the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast when we come back from this break. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Esports Now Network. I'm Jared. He's Kevin. Kevin, I want to get away from basketball a little bit. I was at Penn State's game against St. Francis. I cover St. Francis basketball for the Altoona Mirror, um, and I was fortunate enough to go up to the game. First of all, it was crazy. Um, I didn't get up there until late uh, to, to be able to see the game. I had some prior commitments that I couldn't really get out of. But at the end of the day, I was able to get there. But the biggest thing that I was there for was it was one of the coolest experiences to see the coaches talk after the game. Typically, you get some word soup, right? You you don't you get a bunch of words that don't really make sense that are tell you nothing. But but Rob Crimmel at St. Francis, who's a good friend of mine, and and Mike Rhodes at Penn State both had some really great insight on a multitude of different things. Mike Rhodes took the time out of his press conference to stop. Say, hey, I think it's really impressive, all the student journalists that we have here. Whenever you say your name and want to ask a question, raise your when you raise your hand, say your name and in, in your in your year um, and what you do. And I thought that was really cool. You don't see that perspective from coaches. I get this Penn State basketball. Penn State basketball media coverage is completely different than Penn State football. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, being able to take that out and, and talk about the bigger picture. And talk about like, that's that's a really cool thing, you know, on both sides. And on the St. Francis side, Coach Crimmel mentioned like his team becoming like a, a flower, and, and you got to you reap what you sow. And I think you know having those types of perspectives is hugely valuable in in, in college football. Um, you know, it, it is still a game in, in in college basketball and college football, but it's still a game at the end of the day. These two these people are humans, and I think that the human nature we often forget about that especially when it comes to football. And we're seeing that so much now on social media, everywhere turn. But, you know, that's that's just one of those things that you get that little bit more in, intricate access and intimate access in, in a sport like that rather than James Franklin saying, man, I wish we would talk about Rutgers. But we're talking about the rest of college football. Actually, we still got more to talk about Rutgers. Ah, oh, more Rutgers. Last bit. But I'm not last James bit. Last bit. Last bit. Go last ahead. bit. Last bit. All right, Saturday, 45-32 a.m. clouds with some p.m. sun. Penn State has a 20-and-a-half point favorite with an over-under of 42-and-a-half. Educator Day, by the way. Educator Day and Senior Day. That's right. As we as we talked about earlier. Mr. Prugar, a final score prediction for you. You know, that's one of those situations where – I got. I've had Penn State over forty in every game but two, <laughs> so I'm gonna keep that going. I'm gonna say 48, 49, 49-10, Penn State. All right. I kind of dug myself in a hole on Sunday by throwing out a random score, and I'm gonna stick to my guns. Forty-five to seven, Penn State. So we're both on the over. I think this offense is gonna be electric on Saturday. Electric. It needs to be. It absolutely. They need to come out firing, and if they don't. That's not great. Yeah. So, 
Rest of college football, the freaking Florida State Seminoles are still the fourth-ranked team in this country. But honestly, they could be the sixth-ranked team in this country. I don't care. They have played zero, zero opponents. How is Washington not the fourth-ranked team in the country? Finally, Florida State doesn't have first-place votes. Finally, they don't have first-place votes. But Washington, they've got wins versus Oregon, USC, Utah. They're at Oregon State. If they don't jump Florida State this week after playing Oregon State and Florida State has freaking North Alabama, the shit's rigged. And it's ESPN doing it. Yeah. You know, they got North Alabama. And then they've got um, Florida, Florida, which is a good one. And then they'll be in the ACC championship game against I'm not quite sure who. Um, So they got some they got some challenges coming up. I think Florida would be a tough matchup, but the the Pac-12 is going to figure itself out. Um, you know, this week USC's got UCLA. UCL USC's just going to have to be spoiler. Washington's got Oregon State. That's a tough matchup. Oregon's got um, Arizona State. And then next week, uh, Oregon Oregon State, and um, and then uh, it looks like Washington had. Oh, they got the Apple Cup. How did, I, how did I lose that? So, and then they've got their Pac-12 championship. So there's a lot that can happen. There's a lot that's going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, but college football is wild, man. It's a it's the wild, wild west in a lot of different ways. Uh, we mentioned our boy Connor Stallions. Um, you know, <laughs> the the AP did a Freedom of Information Act um, release for his expenses while he was at Michigan. And... There were no expenses. As a recruiting analyst, he did not turn any receipts in. This is a guy that's making $55,000. So that's another red flag yet again. Um, not if you ask Michigan fans, of course. Uh, that means everybody was innocent. He was just doing it on his own, own recognizance. Um, I've struggled with money. I'm not going to lie. Um, I've made less than $55,000 every stop of my life, um, except save for when I was teaching and working for DK. Um, but... <laughs> I, I don't know his family situation, um, and I saw the reviews for his vacuum repair business, so I'm pretty sure he wasn't making any money there either. Like, that's, I think he was losing money there. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of shit, man. Um, I don't quite get it. I don't quite understand it. But at the end of the day, you know, there 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 are a couple different ways this can unfold, um, and I think that's, you know, I think there it, it's a one of four thing. Um, it, it, there's pro- there are four different situations I think that you can be that you can look into um, for this. Uh, you know, who paid for the tickets? Is it? Um, I, I don't think it was him. That's option number one. I, I do not think that was him. There's I, I just can't imagine for the life of me those tickets at the 45 yard line, six rows or however many rows up at every big stadium um, in the Big Ten. No chance you can afford that on a $55,000 salary unless he's got an incredible sugar mama. And I think that would be great. I think that would be a whole nother loop um, into this saga that we weren't expecting. Um, And honestly, who the hell knows? Um, But I also think that the next step um, is, you know, (laughs) who else could it be? Is it Harbaugh? And they're paying for it like out of pocket, just cash from camps. Um, and he gets reimbursed that way. Um, yeah, that could be an option. Summer camps, you know, are operated through third-party LLCs, 
Is he getting paid through that? Um, and there, there's so much money there. A coach paid him directly. A booster paid him directly. If it's any of those four or any of those three options, Michigan is going to get absolutely wrecked by the sanctions or by the NCAA. And they deserve every ounce of it. Yeah, I, I think no matter the level, like you should at least create some expense reports. Like, oh, yeah, he bought a recruited cheeseburger. Um, sorry, I had to take a dig at the earlier recruiting violations that Michigan was in. <laughs> Uh, but like you need a Burger King receipt. You need a, you need an enterprise. Yeah. Receipt. Yeah. How, how are you a recruiting pay. analyst and not on the, when you're not on the road and, and yeah, it, it's, there's gotta be some. And I think Michigan's kind of played themselves with having him having with him having none. Uh, so yeah, this, this could be quite sticky and you, you, they didn't want to create a paper trail paper trail. And they've clearly gone to great extents to not create a paper trail. Uh, the question, the problem is, is when you go, when it looks too clean, uh, you get, you get busted even faster than if it looks really freaking sloppy. You know what I mean? If it's really sloppy, it's accounting errors. Oh, it's, you know, he, he had the wrong credit card, like all this other stuff. Like you can kind of play that off as ignorant, but if you have a guy who's a recruiting analyst, who's out on the road every freaking week, going to high school football games and getting all this tape and doing everything that there is with that, man, you gotta have some, you gotta have something because if it's super clean. Jeez. <laughs> Squeaky clean is not good either. Um, sorry for that. There was a brief interruption where I was petting my dogs, giving my dogs attention. Um, Kevin's met them. He knows them very well. Um, but they were hanging out and wrestling over a toy on my lap. Uh, but yeah, it's, so the other thing too that we haven't really looked into is CMU still hasn't given us an answer or given anybody an answer about Connor Stallions being on their sideline. This is not that hard, but I guarantee they're waiting to see how the hammer drops on Michigan. Um, and as part of that NCAA investigation, that's when that will come out. But there's just so much. Every day it seems like something new um, is going to be released. And Friday is is really is the, is the day. Um, all this information is going to become public. The budgets, all of this, you know, during the discovery process of this. And I don't think Michigan wants that. Um because this is only going to hurt their case, in my opinion. Yeah, and they wanted the – I forget the one judge who they wanted who was the professor at the it university. She's a law professor. Yeah, this one's an, and, at least an alum. And this one – this one. She's gone try. against them before. She has gone against Michigan. She, she did go against them, but she, she graduated from Michigan, but she's not affiliated with Michigan anymore. Uh, so they were hoping for one judge who was hopefully going to be favor and not fully open the can of worms. But it sounds like they're going to get the guy – they're going to get the judge, the lady. Um, I'm sorry for forgetting her name, but it sounds like she's going to open a full can of worms. And respectfully so. And this is probably not the last lawsuit because the NCL play is still to go. And that's probably going to be done oh, in Chicago. Yes. And that one, there are people in Chicago who have nothing to do with Michigan and probably absolutely despise it because they're Northwestern law graduates. Um, <laughs> so this 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 could get really sticky. But if we're going to talk about that's- other programs... Can I, can I go back to some of the games from this weekend? Just Yes, actually, just we're, we're, before we do that, I know we're going to wrap up here. I know we've gone a little bit longer than we expected, but what I want to talk about is um, is Northwestern. Um, they they are about to become bowl eligible. They they are 5-5. Five and five. Um, Given what they went through at the beginning of the year, um, I think what they've done has been super, um, super impressive. Uh, I'm looking at Northwestern football – currently to see their schedule um you know david braun also has been named the 
it's the interim tag has been taken off, and that is so well deserved. Well you know, deserved. we're we're hard on coaches, but man, he walked into a tough situation and walked out, you know, with five wins, if not more, this year. They've got Purdue at home and on the road at Illinois. You know, they could end up becoming bull eligible, and I think that's incredible for the Northwestern Wildcats. Um, and the Big Ten as a whole, you know, that was a tough situation to walk into. Pat Fitzgerald was beloved, I think, throughout the Northwestern community. Um, but man, kudos to to him and the job that he's that they've done. Uh, but yes, let's talk a little bit more about games now that we've we're done being sidetra- sidetracked around the the shit show that is the Big Ten. Yeah, David Braun, what a great showing. I mean, that's a program that I thought was going to go one and eleven this year, and to potentially even get close being bowl eligible kind of shows you how in disarray Pat, I mean uh, Pat Fitzgerald had the Northwestern locker room, and how David Braun was able to. Rally the troops really only after getting there a couple months prior. Um, you think Alabama's going to struggle with Chattanooga this weekend? Uh, I hope not. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The only other things, uh, Georgia's on the road at Tennessee. Tennessee's reeling after that loss to Mizzou. I think Georgia, it's only a 10-point game. I think <laughs> Georgia's gamble, good. Georgia's I think really if you're good. a gambling man, you, you want to hit that at minus 20 and watch Georgia's just run away with it. Um, Clemson kind of got their mojo back. At home against North Carolina at three thirty on ESPN. That's gonna Wake be a Forest. tough game for the ACC. Yeah. Um, Ohio State is Minnesota, and then Kansas State, Kansas in the Sunflower Showdown. A little in-state rivalry. You gotta love that. Hopefully, Jalen. Um, uh, yeah, Jalen Daniels is back. It doesn't seem like Jason <laughs> probably gonna be back. He took a wicked injury last week. Um, yeah, I, I'm really circling that game. And then the, the number one game that I want to see is Utah-Arizona. Unfortunately, it's it's at Arizona, but unfortunately that game is uh, pigeonholed to the Pac-12 network, which on the East Coast is uh, rather challenging for us to see. I think I might actually have to legitimately try to see how I could get Pac-12 network. Uh, Just to watch Notre Dame. Utah-Arizona, man. That's, oh, that's, that's right. Well, Notre Dame's on Pac-12 network, and I think that is absolutely hilarious. 2.30 p.m. Eastern for – that's a weird – that would be like 11.30 a.m. kick for them. But Arizona-Utah, it's only a one-point game right now. And both of those teams are really good. They probably could be ranked a little bit higher than what they are. My apologies. Notre Dame – that's not until next week that Notre Dame is on Pac-12 Network, which is still very funny either way. But, um, but yeah, I I, that's a that's a great game. Utah is a fun team to watch. I know they're kind of falling off. But I think that ultimately, you know, they – they're still a good team. Kyle Whittingham is a great coach. Arizona is my favorite team that's not named Penn State this year. So that's fair. Um, FSU is going to get most likely Louisville in the ACC championship game. Yes. Um, Louisville so that... is still undefeated. No, they lost to Pitt. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's um, that is definitely a thing that happened. Um, but. But no, it, the big t- it, it's going to be wild. This is one of those bizarre weeks. The SEC is off is essentially off this week, um, and a couple other teams too. But Penn State's got got Rutgers. This is their get right game, um, and then the Big Ten they got got a trap two trap games. You you know you've got um, Ohio State, and then you've also got um, you know Ohio State's got Minnesota, and Michigan's got Maryland. So those are a trap game because that game in. Um, yeah, it's it's at the big house this year. Oh God, um, that's going to be I think one of the most epic matchups um, we've seen 
uh, in quite some time. You know, Penn, luckily for, for us, Penn State plays Friday night that night or that weekend. They play on Black Friday at Ford Field against uh, Michigan State uh, for the prestigious land-grant trophy. Um, so I cannot wait to preview the land grant trophy. I, that will be the, I think that's going to be on the image. We have that opportunity to have that image up throughout the broadcast. And I think we're going to do it um, next week. <laughs> but, your uncle made it. So we get copyright rights, right? Huh? I said yeah. Everybody's uncle made, uncle made it. Made it. Yeah, it's yeah. got a piece of everybody, but you know, that's all we've got for today. Kevin, any party shots? Nope. Go one and zero against Rutgers, baby. One and zero. Uh, yes, right. Get back in that win column. Get right. I would like to thank my dogs, Linson Kim and Posey, for popping on the podcast today. Special guests for Kevin Quigley. This has been Jared Prugar on the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. You can catch us on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. Please rate, review, give us a lot of different reviews that are good, um, all positive. The power of positivity, right, Kevin? Yeah, five stars only. We delete anything that's less. That's right. Just kidding. Like, Spotify doesn't let us do that. They don't. They don't let us do that. They all are five stars at this point in time. So thank you for that. Yes. But for Kevin, this has been Jared. We thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you again later this.